Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Nightmares Podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Smith, and I also have Mark, the Italian job Conway, with me here today. Mark, how you doing? I'm, doing, I'm good, buddy. I'm very good, very good. Uh, good to hear. Okay, so we have a really cool guest who makes really cool shit, and I'm just going to introduce him and let him talk about his stuff. Arthur Donaldson? Arthur Donaldson. Yes! That's exactly correct. Yay! I got it right! They, uh, okay. All 90s Thank kids you, from shit education. They, uh, who doesn't know how to pronounce people's names? They, um, we, we know how to write them in text, but we don't know how to fucking do that. What's going on, man? Go ahead and introduce yourself. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, yes, I'm Arthur Donaldson. I run a company called Savage Silicone. We make silicone masks and artwork. Um, we've been uh, been around for quite a bit of time, but uh, you know, maybe about ten years here and there. But uh, been full time two years. You know, since 2020, I've been uh, out of the corporate world and into the art world and working day and night to try to make the finest silicone products available. I brought one to show you guys, but um, man, there's a ton of directions I could go. Just let me know. What kind of, let me know. Let well, me know where do you want me to go with uh, with how to describe what what the business actually is. I, a lot of people don't even know what a silicone mask is. A lot of the time, it's like a normal mask, but it form fits to your face and is about ten times more realistic. I'd say it uh, moves with your mouth, moves right up to your eyes, that sort of thing. So yes, yeah, it, it definitely is, man. And I think uh, we're gonna get uh, the uh, the harder part out of the way on this one, um, uh, just because you are debuting um, a mask here on the Nightmares podcast, which we are just so fucking excited about, which is awesome. And obviously, too, is I'm wearing my '90s, uh, um, uh, you know, Nickelodeon um, horror based, uh, you know, one of them as well. Um, mm-hmm. It was either this or your friend of the dark shirt. Um, but that being said, you are going to introduce this um, particular mask, um, and oh, I'm very excited. I got to see it a little bit before, but I know our audience is going to be fucking thrilled, man. So if you want to go ahead and, and bust it out, and then we sure, can get this sure. out of the way. Sure, sure. In the very vein of uh, 90s-inspired products, we have something today. Got it on the side of the table. I they, have to bring it all go. the way Go ahead over. and uh, you know, move it out. Yeah, yeah. see what we got. They, might, uh, might do it here. It's got the bag. The uh, the nice, uh, nice little. Uh, let's let's go ahead and uh, unveil it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. That's fucking awesome. Yes. This is a. That is a beautiful mask. That is fucking fantastic. This, this is a, a mask we're calling the unloved. We're gonna s- I'll set it right here. It's a little higher than my camera, I suppose. But I no. can adjust that. Or actually, even if well, no, this works good. Oh, <laughs> it, look, well, uh, it looks crazy you know, from there. Weird. I'll just use the watch. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I can I can hold it here for a second. There so you go. Okay. Yeah, they got to hold yeah, it right so, there for a second. Yeah, and then we move it to the middle maybe in a little bit. But yeah, so this is a hundred percent platinum silicone. It's incredibly stretchy. You can wear it, but you should not wear it because of the uh, nature of this mask. You know, he's a. It's too frightening to be worn, frankly. Too scary. <laughs> and so you're not uh, not allowed to wear it. But he can be worn, and his mouth fully articulates with yours. His uh, You can breathe right out of the nose holes, and the eyes, they go right up to your eye holes. And you can also hear out of it. You know, you can wear these things comfortably for long periods of time. And yeah, yeah. So I'll do a little spin around maybe, show you guys some of the details, some of that. Absolutely. Some, Look at that fucking, I didn't see the back. Holy yeah, shit, that's some, fantastic. Some of the permanent, it's permanently glossy. You don't have to worry about Vaselining this bad boy up. It'll just <laughs> uh, it'll just always have that nice shine to it. It's got 
silicone teeth in there. So they're kind of, you know, all the paint is intrinsic. It's made of silicone. It's painted with silicone. So that paint is on there. And yeah. All right. All right. So, so yeah, here he is on our floating stand. I've, uh, I took a short video beforehand. Uh, this thing, the paint is still basically drying on it. We just made this, the first copy right here. And uh, I took a short little video here at the studio before to see how it fit and moved with my face. And so I think I'll be able to cut to that later. But, but yeah, so um, silicone is different from other materials. A lot of horror fans are used to latex masks, which are opaque and, uh, you know, but silicone has a slight translucency. Even uh, like under here, you can see through it just a slight bit, just like real skin. Your skin is a little bit more translucent than you might imagine. The other thing that silicone does really well is it's the same softness as skin. There's a, there's a scale called the durometer scale. And uh, if you actually, it's a, it refers to hardness. And if you measure your actual skin, it's about a 0030. And if you measure this, it's about a 0032. Although I've softened it just a little bit so that it moves with your face a little bit better. Mm. And this thing also will do something that's, uh, some people might say it's creepy, but I, I'm kind of into it, is that it'll, uh, it, as you wear it, it'll actually warm to your skin. And the longer you wear it, the more it will move with your face and the more it will feel natural to your face. And so this is actually about as close to the real unloved <laughs> as, as, as humanly possible without some sort of witch's curse. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or as, as much as anybody would want to be around that as much. Yeah. You know, the, uh, you don't want it taking your taking over like it did in Goosebumps. So. Yes. Yeah. And in the yeah, we tried to, you know, in the uh, episode, there was several of these featured and... Um, there was the first one, there's a latex mask, and there was like a mid-transformation sort of one. And then there was the one where it actually started kind of moving into her chest and all of that. And you can see we've gone a little bit further down with the chest so that when you wear it, it'll actually, uh, it'll actually completely cover your chest. So yeah, so I was saying is in the last part of the episode, it actually starts to become part of her chest. And so this will actually go a little bit further down. So if you have a shirt or something like this on, you won't be able to tell, you know, where the mask starts and where your skin starts, you know, unless you take quite a bit of your shirt down. So it gives it just that extra little bit of realism, you know. So yeah, we've tried to try to get it, uh, you know, we've tried to add in quite a few more details than maybe there was in the original one, tried to do a little bit more with the paint, a little bit more extensive modeling, and a little bit more saturation and things like that, but yeah, so uh, I don't know how much you guys know about silicone masks. I, I, yeah, I'm open to questions. As I said, normally <laughs> normally the questions I get when I go to conventions and stuff are along the lines of, can you wear it, and uh, you know, what's it made of, and and that sort of thing. So I'd, I'd be curious, you know, what you well, think. Well, the, the warming thing was interesting. The um, uh, to actually, you know, have it warm to you. That's that's fucking crazy. The, uh, and actually, you know what? I'm gonna say, you know, I think at the before the podcast, we were like, well, we're just gonna put this up here, and then like we'll pull it down. Um, I don't want to. Um, I want that thing to fucking stay right where it's at. Um, uh, and um, I'm totally okay with the corner of it being in the camera right now. Because every time we go to a wide and everything else, it's gonna, it's just gonna be chilling there. Yeah. Um, uh, and I feel, I feel, I feel right. I just, I just feel right. Yes. Yeah. I, I, and I really like the way it looks in silicone because I, I don't think it has been 
really attempted in this material to this level, at least. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, because it's latex in the show and whatnot. But this one with silicone, it really just has a really clean look to it. And so, yeah, I feel like you're right. It looks nice in the shot. Yeah. I, this is this is one of uh, there's a few masks. Um, I've, like I said, I've been making masks for a while, um, over 10 years. And, you know, you're not always happy with your first masks, but I'm finally kind of getting to a state where. I really want to own some of the stuff that I'm making. And it's, it's a little hard with, you know, <laughs> it's a little hard with the Halloween season right now because, like, you know, there's orders all the time to fill. So I actually my collection of my stuff isn't too big. But this is one of the first masks. This is actually primarily a personal project for me. Um, it's something where nobody was making it. I didn't think anybody was ever going to make it correctly. And I finally gotten to a point where I felt like I had the resources and ability to try to make it correctly. And so I got the right people involved and I've spent a lot of time on this thing. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, this is definitely something that's just as much for me as anything, because, you know, what, what else, I guess, is the point of being an artist if you can't make the stuff that you want to see in the world that nobody else is making? You know? Ironically enough, my, my rule for being in movies or being in projects or anything like that, um, if I don't want to see it as an audience member, then I don't, I don't want to be involved in it. I really don't. The, um, I don't give a shit. The, um, so I can definitely ap- appeal to that. So I was going to ask you, too, because I think this is a good transition right now. Um, uh, you know, uh, to talk about, you know, history and, and everything else. And one of the big things that we do here on the podcast is talk about when horror touched your life first, you know, because I know we're all fans and we, I mean, hell, we were talking about Centipede 3 before the podcast. So you got to be a real fan to actually yeah. be talking about like how much you dug Centipede 3, um, <laughs> uh, Human Centipede 3, sorry. Um, uh, the um, So I'm very, I'm very curious about like when, horror came into your life man well yeah and, and first i'll stay uh yeah, we were talking about this a little before the show i don't admire centipede 3 as a good film but <laughs> i was saying that i do think that the tone of centipede 3 was actually pretty good like i thought that the, i thought that they had the colors right i thought they had the mood right i don't think the story the story was cool on a metal level but i don't actually think it was a good film i don't think it's a, <laughs> I, I mean it's something maybe i could rewatch at some point it's it's almost like a novelty film it's not like the sort of film you watch whenever it's on maybe you like to watch a piece of it or something like that and I'm, I'm not really a fan of the human centipede series the first one is yeah i was i think i watched that i was like one of the first films i was truly horrified to watch i was just like man like it's like there's been a few others i can't but that one's horrible and the second one's like the second one, i don't even think i got through that it's just gritty it's just gritty and i think the reason i watched the third one is because back then i used to read fangora or goria and it, it was an article on it and i thought it might be cool and whatnot but so horror touched my life uh definitely <laughs> i love how we have to establish that that like a little little disclaimer um i don't think it's an actually a good film i just think that i like parts of it well the, yeah um, i mean i can't talk a lot of shit i'm you know I, I was talking recently like with somebody about this like batman and robin terrible movie but it has brought so much joy to my life um as a human being by making fun of it so i i i I can relate i can definitely relate yeah there's there's a ton of things like that and so like i say so for me um goosebumps and actually goosebumps might even be a, a fair example of something that's touched my life and i like the feel of it and uh, I, may, I maybe don't even like Goosebumps that much. And what I mean by that is um, I like the covers. You know, I like looking at the covers. I bought them. I'd, look at, I'd, I'd read them occasionally, I think, because in school we used to have a point system where you had to read so many books and test on them. And if you didn't, you know, you, you wouldn't make 
past the third grade or whatever. So I, so I, I remember maybe reading a few of them for that reasons. I don't ever remember really liking them though. Um, and it's like the story ones. There's a caveat there, and this, this is actually also weird because the last week I rebought. There's this series that came after Goosebumps called Give Yourself Goosebumps, and that was where you could actually pick your path through the book. And that was way more interesting to me than the normal books because the normal books were. I don't know, even back then, like even when I'm in third grade, I guess they came off as a little cliche. The covers, though, the covers are phenomenal. They still, they're still some of the greatest pieces of artwork ever, ever put together. The color saturation and the way they fit together and the way that there were new monsters on those covers is just unmatched. So I remember staring at the covers in the library for hours and hours, and I think that might actually be my earliest memory of horror that I could uh, that I could stomach. You know, I think when I was really young. I flipped on it for a moment on the TV, and I couldn't handle that. That didn't that didn't encourage me to like horror. That was <laughs> because it, that was horrible. But the uh, but Goosebumps definitely is was that that subtle way into it. And I I man is I can't even imagine my life without it. And it's so powerful. I actually feel bad for the people that are in the you know a generation a little bit you know a little bit before or a little bit after. And I almost missed it because uh, you know the only way I even saw the episodes is through Blockbuster because. You know, I was, yeah, I was growing up and uh, they aired in the mid 90s and I was, you know, born in the, I was born in 92. So when these aired, I would have been three or four. So I, but in Blockbuster, they were prominently shown in like the early 2000s. So I was able to pick up copies and, but you, you couldn't really watch them on TV at the time and I didn't have satellite. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's sort of where it started. And, uh, and also, and uh, even your shirt is a, is a really good, not quite, uh, you know, into horror, but definitely one of the better horror shows ever released in terms of four kids you know real monsters is is probably right up there right as goosebumps and real monsters might have been the only two people doing it there's also are you afraid of the dark yeah but- so so we had an entire podcast actually dedicated to uh to us talking about 90s chill uh, uh horror television children's horror television and um and there were apparently because we had a podcast with a dear dear friend who we're hopefully meeting up with later today um uh, cory clark and he's a canadian um and they had a lot more shows up there than just Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because obviously Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark are Canadian exports. And mm-hmm. um, it's it's very hilarious to, to watch uh, Canadian kids try to be American kids, yeah. even though they say a um, in a boat um, uh, quite a bit in that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, apparently there was a lot more. But it was um, – you only really had a handful. Um, you had um, you had obviously Our Real Monsters. You had Are You Afraid of the Dark, Goosebumps, So Weird. And Courage mm. the Cowardly Dog. So, oh, Courage, yeah. yeah. Cour- courage is another one. You know, and I don't know what it is, you know. You see so many remakes nowadays of things, and then you go back to the kids' cartoons in the 90s, and it's like those were the only people coming up with original monsters. It's like, you know, they don't, they hardly ever use new monsters in new movies, but it's like, man, it was the kids' cartoons where you'd see the new stuff. <laughs> it's yeah, like, you know, there was a lot more money being passed around, I guess, back then. The, um, and Zach had a similar experience with a lot of those shows, um, except he was at the competition. He was at Hollywood Video. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, we didn't have a fancy Hollywood video in our town. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I grew up in the city, and uh, Hollywood video was like a few blocks away from my uh, house at the time. So, yeah, I would go over there, and I would just browse the horror section, and I discovered so many things, shows, movies, you name it. That's where I discovered Street Sharks. Oh, Street Sharks is excellent. Like yeah. that, that, And that's another thing. 
the covers the covers oh my god they're yeah. so good but the show i don't re- i never actually remember a storyline of street sharks i don't know if you can remember one of the storylines but uh, the covers and the episodes were, yeah they were good for the yeah. the graphic design i mean that's how i used to pick and choose what i was whatever i was going to rent i'd look at the cover and i'd be like ooh cool and since i was a huge shark fan back then i saw cuz everybody was in the ninja ninja turtles and i'm yeah. just like Eh. I saw street sharks and I'm like, yes. Yeah, we're we're on the same page. I've, and I've got like a weird fixation with hammerheads because of that show too. I was like, really? Yeah, the hammerhead. I don't remember which character he was, but he was definitely the cooler one. Okay. <laughs> Me, I'm a yeah. cliche great white fan. So. Definitely, oh, definitely that. Um, and then also too is uh, speaking of of horror shows and also really beautiful cover art was also Animorphs. Oh, um, the, the, the book the book covers were fantastic, and then also the show itself was it was kind of a a mix between um like it was like a, a Power Rangers and Invasion of the Body Snatchers the, um uh, hybrid. Do you do you remember too? And that's interesting. So after I don't like Animorphs had a specific kind of cover, like they were all computer generated. And I don't know if you guys remember, but there was actually a period after Give Yourself Goosebumps, where Goosebumps tried to do that. They tried the Animorph cover style. I don't remember that. And no, it's, in no, no, no. those, well, and actually it's funny, you don't remember, like, I was even looking on eBay, those books are a ton of money, because I don't think anybody remembered it. So, like, I think um, some, it was, get, like, the first, and it's, it's so weird that I know this piece of knowledge just because I was looking <laughs> up, but it's like the first 20 Give Yourself Goosebumps, the series after regular Goosebumps, those were their normal covers. And then at a certain point, they switched over to computer-generated covers that looked very similar to the Animorph thing, except with the uh, except without the, you know, they didn't have an animal changing on the cover, but it was 100% in that style. And I remember this very specifically at the library. I'd see the Animorph cover, and then I would see the, uh, the Goosebumps cover and whatnot. But I don't know, the... Yeah, so it was always an interesting time, and and, and there was you know, and I and I think that um, you know it, it's kind of cool to think about that because you had it covered from so many different angles. You had the books, and you had the TV, and also too is you it, like, I, I guess our our parents were involved, but they weren't they weren't as fucking involved as as the parents are today. Mm-hmm. And they're like like eh, you know, it's on Fox Kids. I'm yeah, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. They, um, uh, you know, he can watch it and, and everything else, and they'll be fine. They, um, yeah, you know, he's up at 6 a.m. and he's not bothering me, so I'm going to go to fucking sleep. Well, yeah, and mo- it's funny. Most of the Goosebumps weren't really scary. I mean, Haunted Mask was scary, but like, it's sort of scary. But the first one, the first one actually, what was it? It's um, Well, the first episode of, well, of Goosebumps was the Haunted Mask. No, no, but the, the sorry, um, the first book, which they did eventually adapt, A Welcome to Dead House, is actually a really scary episode. It, I, it, it is. And it's, it's, it's a whole, like, you know, like, it's... It's the first. I think it's the first like zombie thing that I ever saw. Yeah, it was. It's terrible. I mean, there's a few I think that are genuinely terrifying. Welcome to Dead House is pretty scary. The one with the plants in the basement, the uh, that one's pretty scary. And then there's another one I think Werewolf Skin that happened later. That one's pretty intense. Yeah, Werewolf Skins ones is is interesting. And then also too is, um, you know, and there's. I mean, we went through a lot of these. You know, a lot of the episodes. But like, there's a couple of them that are just very. Uh, you know what? Um, uh, Nostalgia Critic had a great. Th- quote about goosebumps he says um worrying about if goosebumps are, is scary or not is like worrying about if scooby-doo is scary <laughs> or not he's like it's kind of not the point mm-hmm. they um and i'm like I, I i was like i really agree with that like are you afraid of the dark is the one that one merits on being having good atmosphere and being creepy and pushing boundaries like goosebumps was always meant to be kind of this mm-hmm. you know wacky thing and then like when there is genuinely scary moments you go oh shit this is like very shocking and surprising and like you know and then also too is like when 
Um, you know, and there's a few episodes that stand out, or one in particular that stands out when people actually have consequences, like um, yeah. like the House of No Return. Mm. Um, oh, that's a that's a good episode. The, that one's good. The, but, um, uh, the, I, I often I think I joked in the last, in the last episode. I was like, "That's that's where that kid knew he was going to be in sales the rest of his life." <laughs> the um, uh, you know, he's he's like he's like, "Yeah, if you let me go, I'm gonna you know, t- uh, three more kids are coming behind me to, to the ghost." And those kids are dead. <laughs> <laughs> those kids died. Yeah. That kid set that those fuckers up to die. So <laughs> they um, uh, so it was not a necessarily no, you know well, kids no, got away with shit. Well, no, and I actually read the. Um, uh, the give yourself goosebumps. The one I bought, and well, you might maybe if you can pull up a cover of this because it's it's um, probably it's my favorite cover of all time. And I guess you know I wasn't sure if I'd say that, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm settled on it, even though it's not an original cover. It's it's there's a give yourself goosebumps book called uh, Beware of the Purple Peanut Butter, and it's a it, like I said lesser known book, but I remember it for the cover. The cover is phenomenal. It's the colors are perfect. It's just like I remember looking at it when I was a kid. And I, I mean, there are a lot of great covers from the original one. But I re I reread it the other day. I, I didn't have enough time to read through the whole thing. But um, it's actually scary. Like it end like the ending I got to. It ended with the kid like he ate the peanut butter and he shrunk. And there were two things. He could have either ate the peanut butter or the cake in the fridge. And you know, it's a book where you get to pick. So I picked the peanut butter. And so and if you eat the if you eat the other one, I think you grow. And if you eat the peanut butter, you shrink. But I shrank. And then I ended up in my like stepsister's dollhouse or something. And I th- and it turns out the dolls were alive and they basically killed me. And I mean it was like and it was like that was Well shit. Yeah. Damn. I was like I was like yeah, I was like for a kid reading it, I was like, that's actually that's actually pretty uh, visual. But the other thing that I was going to bring up to you is, and this is so weird because I didn't, this thought just occurred. This is the very first time in my life that anyone's brought up Animorphs, ever. Like, no, outside of me seeing the covers. Really? Like, no one has ever talked about it to me. Not other kids, not other adults, just here. <laughs> just, this is the first time it's ever come up. And, and for the covers being so good, why is that? Why is there no Animorphs TV show? Or why is there no kids wearing Animorphs things? Or if I even came here with an Animorphs silicone mask, why is it that everyone would be like, what the fuck is that? I, I, really, I have a theory on this. And then I want Zach to give his opinion because he was about to switch over the camera. But I think that that show was too intelligent for its own good. Um, uh, I, think, I think that, that that show was dealing with concepts of, of like, you know, of bad mm. parents and like it was kind of like it had thematic and the people are going to roll their eyes when I say this but it had thematic things to the shining mm. which was what happens when your parent is is completely fucked and you're a child and you're trying to deal with a situation where you're not you're just trying to figure out your life and then also at the same time you're like my I'm pretty sure my parent is trying to kill me mm. um uh, you know and 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 then also too you had you know, talking about a, a literally an alien species trying to invade a, um, you know, invade an entire town and then the world. I mean, you had a lot of things going on, and you had some kids that would like were on the bad side of town. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and and they were dealing with you know permanent consequences. You know, the one kid was an an animal too long, and he became permanently an animal. Like you're dealing with like a lot of like. Superhero shit, Mark. And, I think know. I think you might have been smarter than most children. I my, probably myself, was the, myself uh, included. I think I don't even I don't even think I remembered any of those. But um, I think I think it's for that reason that a lot of uh, you know a lot of people that like you were dealing with a lot of concepts, you know, and you were marketing. You should have marketed that show to teenagers rather than it, kids. It might have been actually. I'm not sure. But and and back to the other thing. I don't know if uh, so. So I, I gave you guys my answer a second ago but what would you guys have picked 
before. And would you have eaten the cake or the peanut butter in that book? Oh, that's a good because because one way you grow really big and one way you like and one way you shrink to big as a doll. The dolls will kill you. I don't know what happens if you get big. Um, I guess I guess now knowing that knowledge, I would have I would have gotten. Uh, well, I, well, and I didn't have to. I mean, that was another choice. There were three choices that led me to the dollhouse. I didn't have to go inside the dollhouse. I could have stayed outside, but there was a cat after me, and oh. so um, yeah, choices choices yeah. to have. Yeah, I, I, but, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but um, I didn't, I don't, I wanted to hear Zach what he had to say about animorphs. Um, oh, sure, uh, sure. You know, I didn't, I don't want to, I don't want to move, you know, move away from that too quickly. Okay, so on the topic of animorphs, um, I've only seen the first few episodes because uh, originally I rented it from Hollywood Video. I was just like, hey, I've seen these book covers all over the place. I didn't know there was a show, so I watched it, and for the most part, I enjoyed it. But I've only seen the first few episodes. I've never seen, you know. More than that. Did you read the books? No. So I was a very lazy child. I hated reading (laughs) growing up. So like when it came to Goosebumps and stuff like that, I love the covers. I love the show. Never read any of the books. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the same thing with Animorphs. Now, as for the choice, would I choose the cake or would I choose the uh, peanut butter? Just knowing me personally, I like peanut butter more, so I probably would have gone with peanut butter. So you'd be okay being small? Like oh, this, no, I hate but, being small. No, but you'd be this, yeah, So, but the other way, you'd be giant. Okay, so question. Do you know what's going to happen to you before you make the choice? At the time, no, no. At the time, it was at the time when he opened the fridge in the book. It was uh, it was mystery peanut butter, which was actually purple, mm-hmm. um, or stale cake. He knew the cake was stale, but he, he didn't. But he didn't know what why the peanut butter was purple. So it was actually a pretty hard decision okay. that he was faced with. It's a well written book, actually. I was uh, surprised. I was like, it still holds up. <laughs> well, not knowing what the effects of each thing are. Um, personally, I like peanut butter over cake, but if it's purple, I think. I might actually go with the stale cake just because, all right, if it's stale, I know it's edible. If I see something purple, I'm going to be like, eh, no, thank you. And the heart of the decision, I suppose, is, I don't know, if you're small, you kind of get to stay private. Like, you just stay in your house and no one would know. But if you get got big, like, everyone would know right away. It's kind of like the difference between private or not private. Is almost what the I, I, think, I think as a kid, I would want to go big. The uh, my, <laughs> Knowing my ego at the time and knowing, you know, like... The, the decisions I was making in the life I, I had at the time, I would want to be big. They, you, um, be big. Uh, you know, I would definitely want to be big. Now, you know, I, I don't believe that you answer the question about about why Animorphs, you know, kind of went under the radar. Like, why nobody talks about it anymore. Oh, wait, wait, I was asking because, well, and honestly, I've never read an Animorphs book. Like I said, I think at the time they were intimidating to me as a child. The covers did the covers did have a little bit more seriousness to them over Goosebumps. And I don't know what it was about them, but they, and they also seemed a little bit more like, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of imagined that in the stories would be slower moving just based on the cover for some reason. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, like there were cer- certain things I couldn't get into, like certain animes as a child because they just would move too slow. You know, I was definitely like into Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, but couldn't get into some of the slower moving animes. But and I and until I also didn't even know there was a TV show. I don't even know why that day didn't have that at my blockbuster. But yeah, you know, I just I, I never understood why it, it fell under the radar. I think I think it just I think like I was saying, I think it just dealt with too many mm-hmm. themes that were just too mature yeah. for, for kids to try to wrap it, their heads around. Well, and it wasn't horror. It was it sci-fi. was like it was sci-fi horror. Yeah, and I think there is less of a demand in society and this has got to be some deeper psychological phenomenon. There's definitely more of a demand for horror than sci-fi. I don't know why. I'm I'm and I, but I'm pretty sure of this. You know, and I you know, I, I guess I guess like a lot of times people don't like um, and, and this is almost counterintuitive, but um, I think the '70s burned out people on 
dystopian sci-fi mm-hmm. and I you know because there's so much of it and now when everybody thinks about sci-fi they think about Star Trek and Star Wars which is very yeah. optimistic and very you know a, a, there's nothing like too you know I there's nothing too dystopian about it like it's yeah. not, it's very optimistic so I think when anytime somebody wants to you know talk about sci-fi they're like mm, I want to talk about something positive and then like no, there's a lot of good sci-fi out there that's very not po- positive whatsoever. Yeah, and it's, I, and well, then, and, yeah. but but the other thing is even among like cosplayers because like anybody that's you know been making masks for a while, like I mean, and granted, like I said, I have, I only don't have that many in my collection, but I've talked to people that do have quite a bit, and it's pretty well known too that sci-fi masks don't sell that well. It's not even just among you know. Uh, silicone masks, but latex masks too, and maybe even people that make costumes. But a lot of people are making in this sort of industry are making uh, horror stuff because I can always sell horror stuff. You, people off the street will buy horror stuff from me. But if I've got sci-fi stuff, it's not as popular. And I think a lot of people know that. And I don't know why. Like, you know, I mean, and if you kind of assess what cosplayers are wearing, it's not really sci-fi stuff. I mean, sometimes it's bas- it's licensed sci-fi stuff. It's never obscure sci-fi stuff, mm. you know? Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe, this, maybe I haven't thought about this enough. Actually, this, this is a really good, interesting topic about horror versus sci-fi. Yeah, and, and, you know, and, and I could be completely wrong here. No, you know? and I, I mean, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, like, I, I don't... I think people, for whatever reason, people are far more comfortable with licensed sci-fi than unlicensed and generic sci-fi, but people are far more comfortable with just generic horror. And and if I had to take a guess, Mm -hmm. I think that because we all grew up um, with going to the Halloween store and, you know, at, at Halloween time, and there was always a thousand generic fucking um, sci-fi, ma- I'm sorry, horror mask. There was always that. There was the werewolf, the Dracula, the the you know the the squid monster. You know, not necessarily you know um uh, you know uh, creature from the Black Lagoon, but like just just a bunch of fucking generic shit was readily available. But there was never any sci-fi stuff. And this is yeah, well, as far back as I can remember. But there's always been licensed sci-fi shit. Always Star Wars, Star Trek. Um, uh, you know, anything that's well, licensed, but well, not generic. Well, and it might go back to, I'm trying to think it through now. It might even go back to deeper, like psychological things. Like, I mean, with horror, you, if you think about like the outcomes of dressing as a horror character, like a, a lot of the outcomes are good. I mean, you can either be intimidating to somebody, you know, like somebody will see and be like, oh, that's intimidating. He really looks like Michael Myers. Or the possibility exists that you could actually scare somebody. And who doesn't love that? Like you actually scare a child or somebody, you know, and I mean, and if it's, if, you know, it's just in the moment and it's kind of, and everybody understands it's just in good fun, you've had a really positive outcome to that moment. But if you think about the outcomes for wearing a sci-fi costume, um, it's different. You can't be intimidating. You can't be scary. In fact, like the only outcome maybe that you could achieve is people would wonder what you were. Do- they'd be it'd be either confusion or maybe thinking you were weird because you're like unless. And the only way it could be cool is if you were wearing like a full like mech outfit or one of those really big robot ones or something. It it, it yeah. But, oh, but it always has to be. It always has to be something licensed. Yeah, well, that's because that's because that that's the third outcome is recognizability. So somebody could think it's cool based on recognizability, but if it's just your, I mean, I, I guess you could come up with a cool sci-fi character, but I don't know. It's it's really hard because it's almost like there's limited sci-fi characters that are that are distinctive. I don't know. I think I think it's also too is that that um, horror is 
always directly linked well, with the one day of year that we all dress up and pretend and, pretend to be somebody else. And and that's, I, that's, and, that's Halloween. And I will say, I think the ex, the exception that breaks the rule here is aliens. Aliens are aliens are the bridge between these two categories. I, so I won't lump aliens into sci-fi because. They're also horror. I mean, they they do cross over in both, but uh, I mean, good alien masks can be either, and also Predator as well. It, yeah, Zach, this is this is like I can't begin to tell how much this is in your wheelhouse because you are a equal amount fan of each genre. I don't think that one surpasses the other for you. Like it, when it comes to sci-fi and horror, like I think you are you in equal parts. It's almost like peanut butter and jelly, like for you. Like, it's equal parts on both sides. Well, I mean, for the most part, I've grown up with both my whole life. Like, horror, like horror, action, sci-fi, that was my entire childhood. While people were growing up with Barney and whatever the fuck people watched as a kid, I was watching Schwarzenegger. I was watching Freddy, Jason, Alien, Predator, Pinhead, so, stuff like that. Okay, okay. well, I don't want to get too off topic, but I'm curious now. Because, okay, well, I guess first question, do you cosplay? Uh, for the most... Any chance I can, so not generally at conventions. I do go every every Halloween. I make my own costumes. Um, my ultimate goal in life: there are two costumes that I want to make or somehow get, whether sure. I buy them. It is a Hellgast costume from Killzone and a Predator costume. But neither. I mean, we we established that Predator bridges the gap, but and the other one I'm not familiar with. But I'm assuming that is that a horror character. Uh, no, Hellgast are from a video game called Killzone. It's a sci-fi futuristic war shooter. Okay. So, and I, right. I've just always that it was my favorite PS2 shooter as a kid. Mm-hmm. So, I've always just wanted that costume. I just thought it looks cool, intimidating, and stuff like that. And I've just I want it. It looks awesome. It's futuristic. It's kind of sci-fi, but meh. But I mean, yeah. Uh, other than that, you know, there's plenty of Star Wars characters I've always wanted to cosplay sure. as, like a. Sure real Darth Maul looking character or Zarbok. Well, and Dar- yeah, and that like I said that's definitely licensed cuz there's definitely a lot of demand out there for like Darth Maul masks and stuff. That's that's uh that's almost outside the thing. It's um like I said it's probably just more the obscure sci-fi ones, the ones that are a little bit blander. You know, Darth Maul is intimidating in some way too. Yeah. He's got a coolness to him. I th- I think also well, to it too there's something to be said about um you know when it comes to horror culture and then sci-fi culture. Um, uh, you know, and horror culture is generally accepted by everybody. That's number one, because because everyone has it in the zeitgeist because of Halloween and because of mm-hmm. everybody's general stuff. And the thing is that you know everybody jokes now that like you know oh nerd culture has taken over the world. I was like yeah. licensed nerd culture has taken over the world. Yeah. So you know when it comes to just generic sci-fi or even obscure sci-fi, you're not going to get as much stuff just simply based on the fact that. Um, that everyone is very comfortable with licensed nerd culture. Uh, let me ask you something. Are you familiar with Mech Warrior? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You talk about the one that has the Gatling guns for arms and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. they're literally walking tanks. No, like, those are perfect. If you could have a Mech Warrior thing, that's the perfect cosplay. That yeah. that might be the best thing you could ever take to a yeah. con. Like I've you know? grown up with the games, and I've always wanted to try to either get an Atlas costume yeah. or a Timberwolf costume. Yeah. I don't know how the hell I'd pull that off, but I mean, like just walking around as an Atlas at a convention, just like yeah. The, the other thing maybe, and this maybe, like I said, I'm just trying to think through all the reasons is I think that in horror, you know, fear is definitely, I think, the most basic human emotion. You know, like lizards have fear. Like I think every animal, like fear is the most basic emotion. You know, like every animal can understand it for the most part. But um, 
sci-fi isn't based on fear all the time. It's more based on, uh, you know, being able to use, uh, what's, how would you describe that? Um, emotions that come from sci-fi. Um, cause yeah. Cause I, what emotion does that appeal to? I'm it, trying, I would say wonderment is definitely one of them. Yeah. But all, yeah. Animals don't all feel wonderment. It's not Correct. your reptile brain doesn't have that. It has fear. So I feel like horror is a more universal experience because it just, can apply to more people that maybe people not everybody feels wonderment i'm sure some people don't like that but everybody feels fear whether or not they like it so you know it gets forced onto everybody when it comes to sci-fi and like emotions and stuff like that i guess everybody wants a lightsaber you know when i think one of my favorite aspects of sci-fi is star wars i'm a diehard star wars fan and i've if ever we could achieve making real lightsabers i that that's that's such a wonderful or just cool thing. They, or did, did you see that guy on YouTube who made a real lightsaber? Yeah, like the, it's the scary, saber. Scary as shit, though. I don't think <laughs> I'd want to hold that. Like, <laughs> like it could actually just cut your arm off. Yeah. Lightsabers are the, the more you think about lightsabers, they they don't oh, seem that great. Dude, they're deadly. Like <laughs> they're it, deadly. It, it's cool because he's developed a real proto saber, which in the uh, old Star Wars comics back in Legends, real continuity for those who care. Um, they actually had to like. So the Jedi, like, had these backpacks and everything like that, and they hooked them up to their swords. And, like, what the guy built was an original proto-saber from the actual Star Wars comics. And I'm just... I never even thought I would see that in my lifetime. So the fact that it exists, it's like... Would you use it if you had the opportunity? Yes. (laughs) What what if, like, what if um, you had just... And I don't know if you drink, but what if you went out drinking and you were like half drunk and half sober but then like they're like man i gotta show you something and then they and then they took you in and you're like this is gonna be your one chance in a lifetime to use this but you're kind of buzzed and they're like do you want to hold the lightsaber look if i'm drunk and somebody tells me i'm gonna hold a lightsaber i'm gonna normal we would be like fuck yeah drunk me would be like yeah dude, dude and honestly i gotta be honest man like i would become like ivan drago at that point i'd be, I'd be like if he dies he dies <laughs> it's a fucking lightsaber <laughs> but but it's it, it i mean it is but it's also basically just the one that you would actually hold is really just a high-powered welding machine or something it's just more or less yeah they um, i mean you know it's it, <laughs> for me there's still so much cultural significance in that it's just like I'm holding a piece that was conceptualized in Star Wars that I've always wanted, and I'm now holding it in my hands. Like, like, because do you play VR at all? I I've tried. Um, I want to. I really want to. Like, I even bought an Oculus, and um, I just get these headaches, and I can't I can't figure out how to get rid of them. I'm like, I want to be into VR so bad. And I like it was funny um, when I bought the Oculus. So, have you ever done that game? It's called like something's Plank Adventure. Uh, no. It's so it's a it, Oculus has terrible game selection. Yeah. I really need a PS3 or, or PS whatever it's on. But um, so in the Oculus though, there's a thing called Plank Adventure. And it's really good. I mean, it's the game is basically it's not really a game. It's just an experience. You you show up to a building. There's a there's an elevator. You get on the elevator. Everything's pretty realistic. And you go to the and the elevator stops at the top of the building. And when the elevator door is open, there's a plank. And uh, and then it just looks so real, like you actually feel just like you're on a building and there's a plank you can walk out to. 
and I loved it. I had like as soon as I got it, I had my girlfriend like put it on, and she like got up to the top of the building, and she's outside the plank, and she'd never even done VR before. <laughs> and as soon as she sees it, she's like, "Wow, this is realistic." And I like tackle her, and she's like, ah. "She really," and she really like she was like trying to get it off her face. She's like, "Oh my god, it's horrible." Because <laughs> it's like so. So it, I, it's a lot of fun doing stuff like that. So yeah. um, mm-hmm. if you you have the quest, right? I used to. No, I had the, just the uh, regular Oculus, but I returned okay. it because of the headaches. I tried to use it every day for like uh, you know a few weeks, and I was like, you know, I, can, I just can't not get a headache from this thing. That's. I, I'm sorry to hear that because mm-hmm. uh, I got a Quest and I hook it up to my PC so I can play like all the Steam versions of everything. Sure. And it, there's a game called Blade and Sorcery, and it's just supposed to be like this medieval combat simulator, but you can mod the hell out of it and mm-hmm. turn it into a real gruesome, violent murder simulator, but with lightsabers. Right. And when you're like the first time I held the lightsaber in VR and just ignited it, it was one of those like oh you, holy shit moments. It's, I've done I, I did like that. I did um I've done that at Dave and Buster's. They have they have did you have you done the Dave and Buster's experience? I didn't know there was a Dave and Buster's experience. There is. They have a really high end. It's a really high end VR set, and maybe it's just that you you know you pay like well five dollars and you only get to use it for five minutes, but um it's a really high end uh, VR set, and and you. You get to do the lightsaber thing with your hands and it's incredible i don't know if you get an actual i can't even remember no no i think you get you don't get a lightsaber to hold you get like glove things that you can use but i did share that experience and actually that's why i bought the quest that experience at dave and buster's was so good that i thought i wanted to have that at home and maybe i just need to try like i said psvr but um yeah <laughs> so 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 i was going to bring up something very interesting here is that you know just to go back to it about emotions when it comes to sci-fi mm-hmm. and horror you know, if I had to pick one, you know, sensation and everything else, horror is fear, and sci-fi is nostalgia. Ah, the um, uh, you know, it, 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 but nostalgia is very sight specific, and that's my entire point. Is like, uh, like a um, an iguana can feel fear, but it cannot feel nostalgia Correct. to the knowledge of me. I guess <laughs> maybe they're nostalgic all the time, and we just don't know it. Yes. I mean, Imagine. you know, but but animals also can feel memory. The um, uh, you know, a, a dog can have emotional attachment to a human being as they know that that's their human being. Mm-hmm. So, but it takes more development. So there's more steps involved with nostalgia. There's no steps involved in fear. Oh so, yeah. So that's probably the reason why that horror is always going to be of the forefront in all of our minds is because fear is going to be a universal emotion that takes no steps. You are either afraid or you're. It's like um, fear is like laughter. Hmm. It, you the it, it's involuntary you do it they um uh, so so i think that i think that you know to your point i think that that's the reason why that it's always going to be at the forefront because fear is always going to be universal and it's going to be take the least amount of moving parts and steps yeah exactly hmm so get real philosophical here. philosophical yeah did you see there was an article i read a while it's like there was a meme and it was an article and a meme and it was like scientists have managed to erase the memories of a clam or something like that oh, total Jesus. recall style and then like and then like the meme below it was like scientists like got the clam and they're like do you remember and, the, <laughs> and, he's, and they're like oh shit what have we done the, um, <laughs> uh, the eternal eternal as um a mind of the air eternal sunshine of the spotless mind or i think that's what it's called um so um so i'm curious though you know because as we're continuing the conversation how did this come into your life how did you start you know actually developing you know masks and things like that how did that the art form 
get into your life. Well, this is interesting, too. Um, so uh, one of the most meaningful experiences, and I'd be curious if, if you two shared this, um, to me, was at the haunted houses or just around Halloween time uh, with the Halloween stores. Is there, there used to be this thing, you know, at, at Spencer's Gifts even, where they'd have a big wall of masks, you know? Oh, yeah. And I just remember staring at them and just in disbelief as long as I can remember. I don't think I got to stare at them long because, you know, my mom would say, no, we're not buying those. And it'd pull me away. But as long as I could stare at them, I remember staring at them and thinking, and then um, have just like imagining how cool it would be to put this thing on and, and transform into that thing. And so I don't remember at what point I got my first latex mask, but I do remember at some point, coming to the conclusion that latex masks were disappointing. They didn't, uh, they didn't really work. Um, you, you know, you, nobody really thought you were whatever you were wearing and never, you know, no, it just didn't work like it should. Um, so then at a certain point, silicone masks came along. Uh, you know, the t- silicone had never as a material been good enough where you could buy it and paint it and do all the things you have to do to get it into mask form. But um, it came along at some point, and they started selling them commercially probably around 2010. There was a studio that's no longer in business, that small one, that was selling them in 2010. And I remember getting my first old man mask. And uh, I, I put it on. I got some Goodwill clothes, and I started doing things like pranking my friends or going out <laughs> in public. And it works. I mean, nobody ever – like, you, you could go out and do things in public, and nobody would ever know that you weren't an old man. And – um, I knew this because I'd interacted with people. I'd done things in these masks. And th- I think the main there's a couple reasons why it works. The main reason is because people aren't, when they come up to you, you know, they're not really concerned with whether or not your face is real. You know, they're really, they're just like, people don't really pay attention to that much detail. I mean, you know, and if you don't move your face a whole lot, you can definitely get away with these in public. It's something you could never do. Uh, in a latex mask previously. You can't buy a latex old man mask and potentially pass in public as an old man, but you can do it with a silicone mask. And so to me, that was uh, that broke my brain. It broke my brain that somehow there was a way that hyper-realism could be offered in a commercial sense to people. And it's like, what other characters are there? In fact, this particular mask, I mean, if you see them the, back, the behind the scenes, you know, the only way this was possible was with a team of makeup artists. They have to take castings of this. Uh, they have to take castings of the actor's face. They have to sculpt individual prosthetics that have to be glued together in a certain order and then painted on set. And then they only last for a little while. You know, they only last like a day. And then you got to when you take them off, you got to rip them off and there's glue on your face and you got to throw them away. And you had to pay thousands of dollars to have a professional apply them and probably a lot more to have them made in the beginning. But these are reusable. I mean, and they'll last a very long time. You know, 20, 30 years if you take care of them, as, as far as you know, as far as everybody knows, just because the material itself isn't that old. You know, it's a relatively new style material, platinum silicone specifically, um, and in the double O durometer, which I think is also a newer thing, but um, at least in the last, you know, 20 years. But um, and I've got silicone masks that are almost 20 years old and they still wow. still still in good condition. But uh yeah, so so it's like it's like a five-hour makeup, and you know, five minutes I think is is what they you know that's a phrase that's been around for a little while. But that that's really what they are. You know, it saves you all the hassle of doing that, and you achieve a look that you would not be able to achieve any other way. You know, I think I think there is just just like we were talking about those base emotions. I think there is a demand in the world for hyper realism, and I like being able to 
you know, provide a little piece of it. And I, I j I'm just hopelessly obsessed with it. So I can't. So those those kind of led me to this point where it's like, wow, this is possible, and I want to be working on that. You know, and it allows me to bring things into the world that people aren't bringing into the world. Where I, as far as I know. You can't buy something like this anywhere else outside of what I've taken the time to go do. And we have a lot of other masks like that where you can't get them anywhere. We, j we make them, you know, because nobody else was making them. Sorry, on our rant there. No, no, <laughs> no, no I, I absolutely love that. I know, I, I love that. I mean, and yeah, I, I do have very distinct memories of going. Well, you know what, though? And, and that is something interesting about, and, and to get uh, more deeper on Halloween in particular, like, mm -hmm. and how it's, like, that's a huge thing about all of our lives and it's been very interesting to have discussions with a lot of people about it is that there's something very interesting about becoming something else yes um uh, you know and, and 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 there's and we've given a day of the year that you know and and it's kind of cool for us because we we get to do that shit all the time because we're in horror but um uh, you know but we've given a day where people can become whatever they want to become and there's something interesting about that. Like, you know, I think that's something that's very human. Yes. The, um, uh, you know, to try on something else. You know, the I got a great piece of advice um, of from from an acting perspective. It was from Russell Crowe. He said, um, if you're playing a part, the first thing you ch uh, change is the shoes. Hmm. It's like because you you, you want to start from the bottom up. Yeah. And, and, and when you change the shoes, it immediately changes so much about what you're doing. Yeah. It changes the walk. It changes, the, you know, how, how things are done. And it's just something that's so interesting. It might even be a little bit more American than anything. But, like, it's something so interesting about wanting to become something else. And I think that that's, you know, something really cool about your work mm -hmm. is that you're giving people a an outlet to yeah. basically become something else. Yeah. They, um, and, and, and it's in your vision, you know, you get to – you get to see the joy on other other people's faces of kind of becoming something else and and it's and it's and it's coming from a place of love from you because you put in so much time and effort and um, joy into it and then to pass that joy on to somebody else of becoming something else is is a very visceral experience they i may be way off and in deep and in diving way too deep into this uh, no no I, no i think you're i think you're dead on and i think it's yeah i think it's not only just when they uh you know we try to create something like you try to bake as much beauty into this and there's like a whole lot of nuance that you know I, like i didn't start off as a as a great artist and i still don't consider myself really an artist i just consider myself somebody that's obsessed with these things but um but uh it took you know there's a certain beauty between layering because because essentially all this product is is a lot of layers like the and it's like in order to get something more realistic you just have to keep adding layer on layer and layer it's like well first you've started with the you know the the undertone of the skin and then you've added the veins and then it's like well what other layers can you add it's like well you can add layers of modeling and different colors and you know it's every single step of it is layers like we started with you know white teeth and then we added yellow and then we added brown and we could add even more layers you know but um but what i was getting at in regards to what you were saying is people like to look at them also like you can display them in your house and find beauty in them and i think that i think that there's some Something cool about that too. People being able to own, you know, I don't know, just things that you know a lot of time went into, you know, yeah. where you're like that. Somebody spent a lot of time trying to make that as realistic as possible, and I think people like that also, you know. But, I, I think I think too is as something I realized as an adult is there's something to be said about 
uh, talking pieces. Mm. Like, you know, when you have things that are in your house, like I love to bring people down here to the studio. Like, love mm. it. I love yeah. to, to, to bring them down here and show other people's artwork that are friends of mine. The um, uh, and I'm gonna have to buy, you know, eventually buy a mask from you to put it down oh, here, sure. so I can I can go ahead and keep talking to people about stuff. It's it's it, cool because it starts conversations, it, and it's a it's it's incredible. Yeah, like this thing I think draws a lot of attention. I put like um, I haven't posted the full reveal yet, but I've I've done a few teasers of it getting pulled out of the mold, and even when it was rough and it didn't have teeth in it, people right away are like like that looks like you're working on one of those <laughs> you know from that show it was like like people know right away and uh i don't know uh, there's something good about that well that comes into an interesting discussion about what's a more powerful emotion mm. fear or nostalgia oh fear 100 percent. no fear is fear yes definitely definitely fear there's they, no decision. well yeah no no i, I know but it, um okay so i have a, a better question what's more interesting What's more, well, nostalgia is definitely a more complex emotion because it's not just one emotion; it's a lot of things. But yeah, I think I think fear is definitely the most basic emotion that you can have. But uh, yeah, nostalgia is complicated because it can be well, nostalgia can be deja vu, or it can be memories, or it can be it can be these feelings you just randomly get that. And there's a lot of it doesn't even have words. I'm sure there's categories of nostalgia, you know. And you're almost like a builder of nostalgia because a builder be, of nostalgia because because you, you think about this, man. You know, and go to the wide real quick. They um uh, they, you know you. You're, you're looking at this. So yes. this is my fucking childhood. Right. This is me on Saturday morning uh, watching Saturday morning cartoons and, you know, and goosebumps and everything else and sitting on an ugly green couch um, uh, with my very, um, very highly questionable black box um, uh, that got me free cable. The, um, uh, you know, and, and, and I mean, this is like and then, well, and then it's tied to well, and a lot of two- other things, too. It's tied to my, you know, me watching fucking hercules and zenith princess warrior with my dad eating frozen reese's right i mean like you know it's all that shit well and and to clarify too i do most of what i do is uh, original character work um you know a lot of the, what we're trying to do is bring new stuff into the world but this one there was just an un, undeniable drive for me that was like this has to be in the world it's like i mean there are people that have you know made them before but i mean it's like no but i don't i don't think anybody's tried to do it in silicone to this level so as you know a lot went into it to try to get it like this i have a question for you sure are you familiar with the modern doom games uh yeah i actually want to get those the the eternal one right yeah Yeah. Uh, eternal 2016 Mm -hmm. um are you familiar with the the art style of the demons yeah yeah i love doom the earlier dooms i know that it carried over a little bit but it's definitely a lot more well rendered the uh yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So the reason I bring that up is because I've seen people like take the style, like the modern art style of the Doom demons and stuff like that, and make like cool, just either original like demons based off that style, which look really cool, or take it and adapt it to like other characters from other mediums. Like somebody uh, converted a whole bunch of Star Wars characters and made mm-hmm. it like, what if they were Doom demons? And I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking awesome. Right. So, I don't know. I was going to see if you had maybe any designs that were based off, like, that idea or that style. Oh, the Doom games? Yeah. Well, actually, it's uh, funny you should mention it. Well, we have one character that, um, he's he's definitely an original design, but uh, he's, he's called Gorgon. He's a demon, and maybe I'll be able to send you a picture of that. But, uh, like, but he... Yeah, he resembles uh, the uh, the cover of Doom Two, but it's, I, I don't think I've ever directly like pulled characters from Doom to try to you know a lot of those characters are very you know generic looking in a way, and not not all of them you know, but um, 
it seems like in that time period because the Doom characters are very similar to the Duke Nukem characters in a lot of ways. But maybe it's just because of the engine. Uh, well, engine limitations. They were working with pixelated sprites and everything back yeah. then. So, I mean, it, it was what it was. But, I mean, like, the new styles and stuff like that, I fully recommend checking it out because there's a lot of cool-looking demons now. Like, they've taken, mm-hmm. they've adapted them to, like, you know, look realistic on modern sure. engines and stuff like that. And it's like, they look great. Mm-hmm. in 2016 and like the marauder and the cyber demon and all that they look fucking awesome right so no that's interesting i'll have to take a look at those because yeah it's like i said i've been wanting to get more into video games lately i've just been it's been hard too like i'm also like I, like man you guys are gonna hate me after this but i still have like <laughs> i still have, like i've got two systems right now besides my oculus that i returned i had a i've got an n64 that i play when i can and then i got a i've got a ps3 um, I still got, but I want to upgrade. I want to either get an Xbox now or a, or a, what's the other, the Nintendo one, the Switch. Uh, the Switch. But there, I don't want to get, I don't want to. There's a Switch, there's a PS5 and the Xbox. I don't really want the PS5, but I probably should get it just because I, I've had. Honestly, man, I'm coming from a, a dude who's been with Xbox since 2000. Um, it, they're not doing anything fucking new with Xbox, man. If you're going to. I like stay, I, stay with Sony, stay with PlayStation. I don't even know if I can get a PS5. Look, realistically, right? <laughs> if you want to keep things simple, get a PC. All because well, you can well, get well, Xbox I, games on PC, PlayStation games on PC. It's like, what's the point of getting a console anymore? Well, that's the thing too. Is like, I just got a. Uh, we were talking about 3D printers because we got at the studio. We have quite a few. Uh, well, I've got. Um, like two that I use now. I got one smaller 3D printer I use every now and then, but I've, then I've got a bigger one that I'd like to print out some bigger props on. That's a uh, resin, but I needed a I needed a better computer to run it, so I bought an Alienware. I've actually still been still waiting for it, but I want to put some games on that because some of this rendering software like takes a long time to you know to pull the renders through. There's something called Cura, and man, if you don't have a fast computer, that takes forever to load. <laughs> so you know. I forgot what slicing software I use. Um, it's one of the free ones, but it's nice, it's simple, and it's easy to use. I just forgot what the hell the name of it was. You'll think of it later. Yeah, think probably. So, you know, I was going to ask you, too, because something you brought up a story, an, an interesting story about you leaving the corporate world. Sure. And then doing that. You know, when... What was the moment that you that you're like you know like I'm done like I, I I like you've you made a clear like line in the sand of where you're like I'm leaving this job I want to do what I love to do full time and you know and what was that that moment or maybe there wasn't maybe it was just it a was, natural you know it was, progression it was really hard and it was sort of a natural progression I'd always um I'd always wanted to be a an entrepreneur but the company that I worked at was actually very uh, very entrepreneurial and it was. Um, you know, it, it, the people there were incredible, and I probably, you know, honestly would have never left if I hadn't have just said, I'm doing it. But because uh, it was a great place, everybody was really great to work with. It was very entrepreneurial, but when it's, it's a company that big, you can never own it. You know, you can never own a piece of it. You can never, you know, like, you know, if you have a small business, even though it's a little piece of something, at least you, you know, own your own business and you can have more control over it. But uh, they, uh, yeah, so I just kind of, um, yeah, one day I'd, I'd been working there a long time, and one day I was like, you know, I uh, I don't know if I'm going to want to do this when I'm I don't know if I'm going to want to start a silicone mask company and go to horror conventions when I'm 50, uh, but I do want to do it in my 20s. And I thought, and people will people will probably be more understanding if I do something like this in my 20s than my 50s. So I thought I'm just going to go just going to go do it. Plus, it's a really new industry, so um, there are new people popping up 
all, there are people popping up all the time and there's people doing interesting stuff. But, you know, I just wanted to be a part of it, you know, because it's like you see other people doing cool stuff and you're like, man, you know, I think I could do cool stuff, too. And I want to be a part of that. And uh, it's kind of and you kind of just get it just wears on you day after day. Every day it's like you're missing out. You're missing out. And it's like, OK, I like to be a part of that. So I'm finally just whatever it takes. I'm just going to get a plunge, uh, get a plunge for it. Um, plus, like plus I got um I had a little bit of luck in in a sense like um I had like early like a long time ago I had bought like a few like houses for really cheap and then all of a sudden to the real estate market kind of got good all of a sudden and I was able to have a little bit of a nest egg to start it because obviously when you try to start a business like this it's not cheap and I was trying to save up for years too because yeah the materials are expensive they're they're you guys would be upset with me if you knew how much money I just wasted on practice runs like you know when you got you know a mask like this it's yeah. <laughs> oh, we, we trust me. We, you know, when it comes to like filmmaking and stuff, we're very aware about how much things cost. Yeah. They, um, uh, you know, or better yet, how much people say that they cost, but how much they really cost. Mm-hmm. Those are always fun conversations as well. Sure. What do you mean by like uh, how much people charge you versus what they're spending? Well, you know, versus... I think I think there's a there, there's an attitude sometimes about people oh. that they, they they think that like because you're a filmmaker, you have an infinite number. Are, of, are, of... You, are you talking about those videos where it's like do your own four point lighting system for fifteen dollars and then? Yeah, well, and yeah, then you that, get into that, yeah. it and you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah, you're like, no, no, no. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you could do that, but it looks like garbage. Um, uh, you know, and then also, too, is some other situations that have happened where people think, you know, either you have no money and you're a student production or you have infinite money and yeah. you're a studio. So, and and they, they can't imagine that there's an in-between point in between that. They, um, but, um, you know, I, speaking of, like, funny and, you know, weird stories and everything else, do you have anything, um, uh, you know, fun from the conventions where, you know, people really surprised you or – you know, became, you know, like, they're like, oh, my God, this is this and that. And then, you know, this reminds me of this. And, you know, anybody interesting that you met um, uh, or had a visceral reaction to it at the cons? Oh, I mean, yeah, we get like uh, good reactions all day long. People coming up and being excited, you know, and I've, I've had some great experiences at the conventions, at like uh, even at Days of the Dead, you know, um, like, uh, there's a. There's a you know, I met a, a nice family and they, they got a squiddly mask from me. And I, I love talking to him every time I go there. And last year he wore the squiddly mask or, you know, just this last one. He was wearing the squid mask around. And that was that made the whole thing for me. And I think there was one guy I was working with. I really wish I could have made it to um, flashback. But there was a there was a nice, uh, nice guy I met, too, that had a Freddy. Well, I mean, actually, <laughs> Eddie Mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, the, uh, uh, we, copyright yeah. infringement. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't make those. <laughs> we don't, yeah, he was. We make Eddie masks. We make maybe sometimes, yeah. but yeah. Those, but uh, he was. Uh, but yeah, he was. He was wearing it around the con, and uh, that made me feel good because he liked it and whatnot. It was. Uh, you know, I like. I like seeing people wear our costumes. I like. I do like pe- see. Uh, people's reactions. I like when they come up and talk to you and, you know, ask questions. That's probably my biggest problem at conventions is I'll talk to one person for four hours about nothing. Just, I mean, oh, not nothing, but yeah. I got a lot of, uh, I got a lot of shit from my girlfriend about, about talking to you for like two hours. Oh, they shit. Got, oh, she, oh, yeah, that's the guy that you went up and talked to for an hour and then, then you came back around and then you talked to him again for an hour. You're like, yeah, I did. They, um, uh, because I enjoy talking about goosebumps and oh my god, doing yeah, shit and growing up in the Midwest. What's and- What's crazy is like my memory of it is that I talked to you for like six or seven minutes. Like my memory is like you came up, <laughs> we talked for a few minutes, and then you and then you walked around. But man, thinking back, that must have been like it, it was. Two it was hours. actually a longer of a conversation than I think either one of us realized. Apparently, my uh, Sarah had gone literally uh, left 
went and talked to Amy and Lon, went to the bathroom, went and circled around, and we were still fucking talking. <laughs> no. And she's like, she's like, it's like, all right, honey, you're going to leave this guy alone. Oh, no. To no, be no, fair, I... we spent the entire last conversation just talking to James and Amy and Lon. Yeah, they, that was fun. Time. Yeah, we were like, we are like, we went around a couple times, and I'm like, mm, I'd rather talk to James about, like, touring with, you know, pseudo-heavy metal bands in oh. Vegas and, and firing his drivers and shit. Like, yeah, that was fun. That's the best part. Those people are so nice, too. Like the, Oh, dude, the it, like, you know, we talk about this all the time on the podcast, is just just um, how amazing, and maybe you can, you know, add to this conversation, like, you know, how amazing the horror community is. It, oh, it's incredible. It, like, yeah. how wonderfully nice and accepting and just warm and just, like you know into the into the outside world they'd be like oh, those people are weird they like <laughs> they like to, to watch a horrifying thing yes and but they're like no they're the nicest fucking people that you could ever imagine oh yeah no they're everybody everybody i met's incredible i have zero negative experiences so far at these places i mean maybe it's just it might you know i think it's pretty mainstream now i think a lot of even normal people you know show up to these things just because it might be something fun to take their kids to but like uh but then the other thing is uh it might also could just because we're in the midwest you never know people are extra nice here sometimes so you gotta t- a lot of a lot of the conventions i attend are in chicago because we're just over the border but i do want to get a little further out at some point yeah you know it's crazy and i and i talk to zach all the time about like how just like you know to sit you know imagine another con like you would never be able to walk up to a booth and and talk with people for an hour you know about whatever the um it just it doesn't seem appropriate in other settings but for some reason in the horror cons it just works yeah, no, it definitely does. And they do do some, there are some people that walk around too and do the interviews. You know, I've, I've been on a few interview shows. There's a, there's a nice group too, Tribe 3. I, I think that's the production company. I, I actually went to college with one of the guys. The, oh, um, Adrian? Uh, um, he's the guy with the glasses, kind of crazy hair and everything oh, else. I know who that is. Yeah, yeah, I, the, I, um, I, went to, I went to school with him. I always see him there at the cons. It's always fun. Yeah, no, they yeah, no, they're they're a phenomenal bunch of people. There's a yeah, there's a few people that walk around and kind of try to and do that at the point, but no, it's like it's like no, I go to the cons just because I you know, um, you, you, I mean, you can sell more masks, you know, just basically you know making you know YouTube videos or posts or whatever, or just like talking to people or just like you know reaching out to people you know that you, in the community, but uh, at the cons. You know, they're just fun to go to. I just love going to these things and, like, meeting all the people and whatnot and going to some of the, you know, the events. Like, yeah, it's, it's nothing like it. I love those cons. And the funny thing is I always I always think about this. I don't think I've ever said it out loud. I think the hardest part would, for me, if we actually did host, you know, get a table there and everything else would be not being able to go and walk around because, oh. you, know, you know, because we're like – we're like we're so used to walking around and chatting with you, people and you should a hundred percent do that i don't think it matters that much and actually you guys have the advantage because it's not like um you know because it's not like you've got stuff you're leaving at your booth like because you got i mean i guess if you wanted to you could actually set up like a mobile podcast thing but that might be a little loud but <laughs> but you could you know and then just, we absolutely we've we've definitely talked about it and i think i think it would be cool actually yeah no it could be cool maybe at some point i don't know yeah the sound yeah you'd have to figure out the sound but i think if you got over that technical detail it'd be pretty cool but i'm sure you could walk around and the booths aren't a ton of money there i mean they're they're really reasonable some of the bigger cons we go to it gets a little pricier like we go to uh really i think the biggest convention we go to um every year is one called trans world i don't know if you're familiar with trans world yes very uh, i am very familiar with trans world do you, do you I go think to i've heard of it never been to it though yeah i've never yeah. had a chance to be with it but um amy and lawn yeah. dennis had done it a yeah. couple times yeah it's not to be confused with the other trans world but it's trans world halloween 
but it's a it's a very good show it's a you know it's a, it's in st louis every year it's a and you said you have been to it or haven't been i to have it? not been to it but i've heard about it several times they yeah. uh, from a bunch of other people they say it's a fucking ball it's a fucking ball yeah it's not the same crowd it and that's for sure and what i mean by that is it's definitely an industry show so you go up there you go there and you're selling to uh you know you're selling to people that have uh uh, what, what's the word for it? Like, you know, industrial donut machines. You'll see like guys selling donut machines or sometimes they'll have like, uh, you know, the big inflatable stuff or big statues and lights. And the, the other half of it, too, that's the full name of the show. And I think people prefer when you call it Trans World Halloween and Attraction Show um, because I think the other half of it is Christmas, you know. And so, yeah, so it's uh, you, you show up to the other half of it and you can I think that's where all the cities show up and they buy their lights and whatnot. So if you're over there, you're talking to people, you know, like uh, city mayors and stuff like that. And they'll they'll wander through every now and then and ask if you have Christmas masks or or whatever. But uh, but uh, and at the cons, it's different. And there's no celebrities there. But, um, you know, it's just really big stuff. They have one room there called the dark room, which is amazing, which is where they have the really big stuff that haunted houses would buy, you know, like the really like the 30, 40, 50 foot tall stuff that's, uh, you know, all light up and jumps at you on big cranes and things. And um, yeah, no, you, you definitely have to make it to it never used to be open to the public, but uh, they just opened it up again and or they just opened it up to the public. So it's been it's been busier than ever. But uh, no, that's that's definitely the one to go to, especially. Yeah. Fair enough. That's awesome. I yeah, love that. I was going to say, that sounds like one we need to check out if possible. Yeah, yeah that, that's definitely something we'll be writing down to uh, to take a look at. You said it's in St. Louis? It's in St. Louis, yeah. Now, yeah, and I, I personally, I love St. Louis. It's a great city. It's got such a cool vibe to it. They got this place there. I mean, oh, I just like that city. The architecture is really cool. It's kind of oh. like Chicago, but smaller, you know. Um, it's uh i'm trying to think yeah there's stuff to do there there's the city museum there i don't know if you've ever been to the or heard of the city museum no i have not definitely got to check that out i mean i i was skeptical at first because i don't like to do events like that but man this this is like an old abandoned shoe factory that they like converted into like a play park it's supposed to be for kids but definitely it's fun for adults and there's like caves built all over it and weird it's it's so hard to describe but um the point is is that st louis is just a fun place to visit in general as long as you stay in the the proper part (laughs) the right as long as you stay on the in the right parts well that's that's just rules for anywhere i was gonna say that's a rule for any city yeah 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 and i I mean yeah it's just like you get a little far and uh out on the one side and there's a lot of abandoned buildings you gotta avoid (laughs) but exactly uh, they uh no urban exploring for these people um uh, so yeah no that's that's awesome the um i think that um uh, you know and what we do is we do something fun um mm-hmm. we wrap up um every podcast with a with a question of the podcast and we were talking about some very interesting thematic and psychological things so i have an interesting question for everybody the what is something that this is kind of deep uh what is something that scares you but you know in your heart of hearts that you got to do it the um uh, that you they got to run towards it the uh for whatever reason the um uh, it's something that scares you but you're like i gotta fucking do this the um uh, you know hey for whatever i think i was we were talking about these themes and everything. was talking about fear and i'm like you know i'm like yeah, this is interesting like you know about how fear is so visceral but you know i, I i'm trying to think of like you know what's something that scares the shit out of you but you're like you know what i gotta fucking do it anyway for whatever reason the, um, I mean, and that might be, you know, a little too deep for this podcast, but, you know, but I thought it'd be interesting. And typically, you know, and not to put you on the spot um, with our guests, we actually allow the guests to go first, but they do have the option to um, to pass 
if they want a little bit more time. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think because like I said, like mainly I've been kind of accomplishing a lot of the things I was scared of. Like I said, I was scared at one point to uh, quit my job and go off and do this sort of thing. And that was probably the, the biggest thing that scares me. There's other things that I'm legitimately scared of that I'm not going to do, <laughs> like uh, like skydiving. Maybe I should skydive. Maybe that's the moral of this podcast is that I need to <laughs> skydive afterwards. But uh, let me hear your answers. Maybe I'll have a better answer. Hey, Zach, <laughs> this might be interesting for you. All right, I'll go first. So for me, it's uh, swimming open water with a great white shark. That's it. Yeah, it's something I have always wanted to do. Um, you have to do it, though. Yeah, right. like uh, there was a shark yeah. week I, It was when I was a kid. Um, wh- one of my earliest horror movies was Jaws, and I've it's it's my favorite movie of all time and that's where my obsession with sharks came from mm-hmm. and i remember i saw this woman just swimming just alongside this great white and i'm just like inside the cage no 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 outside yeah. oh, like outside she was hanging cage. under the dorsal fin and just swimming with it mm. and i'm just like that is the most beautiful amazing <laughs> thing i've ever seen i gotta do that don't know how but i'm gonna do it so, yeah, swimming open water with a great white shark. That's my biggest goal in life. All right. I think, I, I think something for me um, is, is something similar to what you did, which is, which is finally step away from um, a full-time gig and, and do what I love to do, which is create cool shit the, mm-hmm. um, and make movies and, you know, and create content and um, you know, open merchandise and follow the, the, the path of what we want to do. You know, I'm, you know. The um, the idea of grandiose dreams is they're fantastic, but they can also scare the shit out of you, because you know two things. One, um, uh, you know, a, a fear that everybody thinks about, which is which is what happens if I don't get it, and mm-hmm. then a one that nobody thinks about, which is what happens if I do. The yeah. um, uh, the um, uh, and you know how do you handle that? The um, uh, you know and and we, at you know we, we we're you know if I had to give us a mission statement, uh, we're very different, you know, because we do the YouTube shit, but we also do narrative content. We actually make mo- movies, short films, and things of that nature. And um, something that um, that we want to do is be Hollywood's competition. Mm. Uh, we want to build our own system. We don't want to. We don't want to integrate into their system. We want to build our own shit sure. and run our own thing. And mm-hmm. and and you know, and have a different community. The um, uh, you know, very un you know, much unlike the actual horror community that you meet at the cons. Mm-hmm. friendly willing to help and build, building a community rather than some of the other things that are going on in the system that we disagree with the cutthroat competition the i know the all the other all the other shit i love competition but the um but some of the the other darker aspects of it that i don't like and the other you know mal business practices i don't like but there is a considerable amount of fear with that because mm-hmm. um because what happens if i don't get it what happens if if the uh, what happens if it doesn't work out? What happens if it turns into something that I don't like? The um, uh, you know these are all reasonable fears, but I know in my heart of hearts, and I've known it since I was eight years old, and I and I watched Jurassic Park, and I was smart enough to figure out that I didn't want to actually be in Jurassic Park. I wanted to make believe that I was in Jurassic Park, yeah. um, and walked on my first stage in theater, and knowing that that's where I wanted to be, even though it scared the shit out of me. I know that it those things scare me, mm. but I know that. I want them and need them in my life more than the actual fear. Mm-hmm. So I will just go for it rather than worry too much about the fear. And also because I love it. The, um, uh, you know, but well, there is a considerable amount of fear, but the desire and the need to get those things is far more powerful. Well, and um, not to 
uh, one of the other things, and feel free to disagree with me, is um, I, I've had this thought recently where I think that the source of all fear is the abyss. I think there's this thing called the abyss that exists, and we're all truly terrified of it, and every single fear can be boiled down to some form of going into the abyss. And what you're describing is um, is hard. It's almost like, uh, you know, like in order to make what I would consider good masks, I had to stare into the abyss for a long time. You know, I had to make masks that people didn't necessarily want, you know, until eventually you work up to the point. And it's like you're the, that particular journey you're talking about, um, it's almost like you can quantify it with how long do I have to stare into the abyss before this dream would become reality. And if you can withstand that, probably will, but... It's a really, really hard thing to stare into. The, uh, the, well, yeah, the, uh, the abyss, or, or if other people want to call it the unknown. The, the, um, unknown, uh, the yes. abyss, the unknown, whatever you want to call it, the uncertainty of actually doing something that is different and something that is unknown. As, uh, it's, it's interesting, but I'm, there's probably, there probably is a subtle distinction because it's almost like the, uh, the abyss is known it's nothing it's it's horrible you know it's it's nothingness it's not it's not i don't know unknown is like unknown is like there could or couldn't be an abyss or something like there's a there's a chance in there that it could be good but (laughs) you know and actually um and i don't disagree with you and actually and here's the reason why because we're all three of us at this table you know and i know you're not you know the my definition of an artist is making and, and, and it could be good or bad, but a definition of an artist is making something that didn't exist before yes. reality, and that and, and if and, and I'm sure that's you know a pretty good example of looking into the abyss because the abyss doesn't exist. It's 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 emptiness. It's nothing, mm-hmm. and then you have to create something. Yeah, you out have of nothing. Yeah, you have to exactly exactly. That's that's the actual the actual task but in order to do that yeah you have to look into nothing and you have to have nothing look back at you and you have to <laughs> and you have to feel that you have to and and it's a truly terrifying feeling and you can't even describe it in words really you know the um, but it's real <laughs> it, it is very real just the struggle of an artist yeah so um uh, so yeah on that like wonderfully chipper note um uh, <laughs> the um uh, well well sir um it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for being on um, this is your opportunity to look directly into camera and talk about, um, uh, you know, where the good people can find you and, um, uh, you know, and we are releasing this at the, um, uh, the beginning of October. So where they might be able to find you in person, but also more importantly, will they be able to find you uh, via social media and online? Sure. Yeah. Um, I yep, directly. Yep. There you go. <laughs> All right. I uh, can be found on uh, Instagram at Savage Silicone, Facebook, Savage Silicone, TikTok, Savage Silicone. All our products can be seen at savagesilicone.com. Um, I'm going to be attending Crypticon in the next month. I think it's in September at some point in Minneapolis. And then after that, I think we're going to be just getting ready for Transworld. So we have a really great booth there right on an end cap. So if you stop by Transworld, I love to talk. So feel free to stop on by. And yeah. Cool. Zach, you entered us. You can close us out. No, you do it. You uh, do it better. Come on. Come nope. on. All right. Well, thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Nightmares podcast. Um, if you'd be so kind, um, you can find us wherever podcasts can be found on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Anchor, all those great sites. And also, if you can follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Slasher.
under Midwest Horror. Um, check out Slasher for all things horror. Thank you so much. Oh, and also, too, if you are watching this on YouTube, if you could be so awesome to stab that like button, smash that subscribe, and click that little dingy bell to be notified every time we drop amazing content right here on the Midwest Horror Network. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Mask is awesome. It's awesome.